Welcome to the week in IndyCar. Our guest episode, who do we have? We have a friend of the show. Haven't had you on in a little while, Mark Miles, but glad to have you back. Here we are. We have a champion crowned. We have some new rookies. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they might have tried to uh, get through their ROP for the uh, Indy 500 here this week. We've had a championship celebration. We've had all manner of things going on. The silly season is firing off and... We have a lot of IndyCar fans who would love to connect with you and ask some questions to the uh, CEO of Penske Entertainment. So before we get to all that, how you doing? How you feeling about the season we just put to rest? You know, Marshall, thanks for having me back. Um, I'm looking forward to talking with you and the fans who call in. But uh, the short answer is uh, I, I don't know how we could feel more positive about it. Mm. You know, we've all been through 20 plus months of pandemic and really ground our way through that in 2020, eked out 14 events. And and yet there were some signs of real good signs of vitality. Then we get to this year, we think we're, we're it's behind us and it's not totally. We got 16 in, couldn't do, couldn't get up to Canada for, um, you know, COVID regulatory issues. Um, but you know, every bit of it that I look at, I think is in better shape. The competition you talk about all the time. I, I don't know how that's, it could be any better. There's so many stories with the, the young guns coming up and challenging the champion veterans. You've got great international uh, drivers who are bringing new fans around the globe to us. Um, you've got parody, you know, among, to some extent, or at least great competitiveness on the grid guys get penalized and start in the back and, you know, work their way up and, and, um, can win races. And, um, you've got, you know, the traditional teams, the traditional mega teams still being in those positions that those sort of dominant positions, but being challenged hard by, uh, smaller teams. And, and, and maybe some would say, you know, the emergence of another team or maybe even two into the top rank. So, uh, on the track, I just think it's been stupendous. Then when we look at the business side of the sport, uh, we're growing everywhere, whether that's television audience in this country, television audiences around the world, uh, you know, the new deal with N- NBC, which I-, I think is just incredibly important for the growth of the sport, attracting and engaging more fans our new extension or the, the, the new agreement with NTT, which fans wouldn't really appreciate yet because we got to show them what's going to come from that collaboration. But I think it's going to be super and just so much more. So uh, I don't know how you'd feel better about uh, the year looking, looking in the rearview mirror. And, and now we can get to the place where we're hard at it to plan for next year and extending that growth. Yeah, the other thing I'd add, and I, I agree with all that, the other thing I'd add, which has been a, a welcome component of this season, hey, Meyershank Racing, one car with Jack Harvey, that's awesome. Oh, you're going to two, and you're going to be full-time when we get to uh, 2022? That's amazing. Hey, yeah. Ricky Hunkos, not only welcome back, but thanks for bringing Brad Hollinger, and you're going to be uh, here. And hey, you're bringing this kid who everyone says should be driving for a top team in F1. That's great news. And you know, co-entrant here, and we got one or two Indy Lights teams that uh, 
should be in the series next year, if not with their own IndyCar effort co-entering and whatnot. So, you know, you and I, and I know many others look at IndyCar. We're always looking for what's going right, what's going wrong. We call out both when we see them, at least coming out of 21. Uh, there, of course, there are things to improve. We'll get into some of those, but for the most part, a lot of positivity, true, not manufactured positivity, but real positivity. And that, that kind of canary in the coal mine scenario of, uh, the paddock health. That's the thing that matters. If we're talking, Hey, we're going to have 19 cars at whichever race you go. Oof, time to be scared when you're talking about 26, 28, and you've got new names, new teams, co-entries, whatever happening, expansions going on. That's the thing that is, is really serving as the underpinnings of my uh, encouragement about where we're going. Yeah, I, I think you couldn't be more right, and I shouldn't have left it out. The Jay Fry talks about the growth in the in number of entrants all the time, and it was cool seeing 28 in Long Beach. Um, we're pretty optimistic about sustaining that sort of size uh, next year. You know, I'm I'm getting more and more questions about at what point you know, do you not have room on the in, on the pits, and do you need some kind of qualifying system for other than the 500? Um, and those are really exciting questions to think about. Uh, so, yeah, no, the I think it's a big endorsement, right? It's a statement that, that there's value here, the and it's an attractive sport. So value from the point of view of the team owner in this business, not that it's easy, never will be, but the, the you know cost benefit is there, and uh, and and part of that is because people want to run this series and be able to show what they can do and to compete. I just don't think Jay Fry has taken my recommendation seriously of building some double-decker pit lanes, right? Uh, <laughs> hey, am I ground floor or mezzanine? Where where do I go? So we can, we can build a couple extra, couple layers of pit lanes to handle those cars. Well, let's say a uh, quick thanks, as always, to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers and also TorontoMotorsports.com for uh, making this show possible. So let's dive in to the uh, the listener questions as usual plenty of things folks are curious about why don't we start off with maybe uh, a very topical one coming off of a championship being decided between a son of mexico a son of spain making big names for themselves here uh joseph petri says hello says we have a spaniard champion and a mexican driver that just drives the wheels off the thing at all times so much fun to watch both have great personalities curious if you you the series and whatnot have any plans angled towards marketing them to the hispanic population here in the u.s and to their home countries says sure would love to see more uh, more folks in the grandstands and eyeballs on tv rallying around alex polo and patricio award yeah the, their emergence is a great opportunity there as is being said you know they're not only great drivers but they're attractive athletes and personalities and i think they're really good at you know being hungry to attract more fans so they're much more likely than not to accept our request to make another appearance or do another interview or be with fans so can't say enough about what they bring to the table in terms of what we can do with it we're already starting so we announced that next year i i I don't i never say for the first time ever because i you know the sport's been around a while but at least for the last several years, maybe ever in this country, there will be Spanish language broadcasts of starting, uh, starting out three events. So 
uh, Telemundo Deportes is going to cover the the first race in St. Pete, the 500, and the finale at Laguna Seca. And obviously, so that's Spanish language. Uh, they uh, These guys are a big part of that. They'll get a lot of exposure from that. And it's not like the three events is a cap. If things go well, there is an opportunity for the number of races that they would cover to, to expand. And then in terms of just take Mexico, um, it wasn't widely understood, I don't think, in this country. But again, for the first time in a long time, as far as I know, um, in addition to pay TV, we had free-to-air coverage in Mexico of the last three IndyCar races, Portland, Laguna Seca, and Long Beach. So an opportunity for a lot more people to, in Mexico to, to watch IndyCar. And that's not an ongoing agreement at this point, but we hope that by getting them to stick their toe in the water and expose IndyCar and Pato and, and the rest of the series to Mexican viewers, uh, we may get some momentum and see that grow. In Spain, we've had good arrangements for some time, uh, and and those those are only growing. Our we're almost finished with licensing our media rights internationally. There are a couple of places, for example, we were working on India recently, mm. where arrangements aren't done yet, but pretty soon we will have the licenses in place. Um, in some instances, country by country. In some places, it's by region. In, so, in most places, it's linear TV, traditional TV. In some places, it's uh, internet or streamed. But I can tell you that the our partners, the licensees, um, are excited, and our values, our, de- our reach, and our rights fees, frankly, are going up from 2021 to 22 in a useful way. I love the sound of that and India as well, uh, being an option. I mean, that's a, a, not only a large country, but, uh, motor racing has certainly been a, a proud component, um, there as well. So that's, uh, yeah, I love that. Why don't we move to somewhat related, uh, Adam Kapisky says, not only congratulations, Mark on a successful 2021 season says in light of the growing interest in IndyCar, especially European interest, uh, looking at our champion, and uh, the seemingly steady stream of drivers coming from the European continent. Uh, what plans are in store for bringing more IndyCar coverage to Europe uh, through TV, maybe social media? And as I often ask and others do, when can we announce uh, IndyCar going to England, France, Spain, wherever, Italy? Tell us when we're going to Monza, Mark. That's, that's all I want to know. <laughs> Well, on the media side of that question, uh, I've already spoken to it a little bit, yep. and almost all the certainly Western European countries, our arrangements are in place. The reach is equal to or better than what it was this year for next year, and the economics are good. So um, we had an hour and a half call today thinking about what else in terms of, you know, in America, we used to call it shoulder programming. What other content can we create? Maybe it's not live because the broadcaster got exclusivity on the live rights, but you know, can you create other shows and, and can we educate more fans? We definitely need to expose more fans in Europe to what we do, even if it's not live racing or in addition to live racing and we got to give more information and we have all that. So we're looking for ways 
maybe to go to direct to uh, to consumers or to fans and take advantage of technology to engage more of them in addition to the arrangements that we've made uh, for, for live coverage of our events. So there's a lot going on and that's just going to accelerate. Um, and I, I do think it's a great opportunity. The drivers that are coming over are, uh, are certainly bringing fans with them. Yeah. To follow up to that Mark and IndyCar being a North American product, one that has obviously raced throughout the world before, but this is our, our primary base. That being said, We've always had international drivers, team owners, and whatnot. It's hard to put a number on or a metric, but can you share any insights just on what you have seen from the business side, from whatever side of the the inquiries coming in from outside of, of North America wanting to have more IndyCar, again, whether it's media, TV, whatever it might be, are you seeing or feeling a greater interest coming into this uh, proud North American property to suggest that the rest of the world's taking a greater interest in what we're doing? Yeah, well, we've talked about some of it. I, I, you see it in terms of team owners getting here or taking a look. You mentioned a couple uh, early in the show. We see it in terms of drivers, um, drivers who have choices about whether they want to race in Asia or Europe or wherever but choose here. Um, I've mentioned that we have media arrangements now because there is demand that get us in front of a lot more eyeballs, a lot more fans around the world and almost every country. Um, and, and it's not just that they're interested in maybe exposing it. They think there's value in it. So overall, I'm sure we'll have more than a 30% increase in our rights fees uh, from outside the u.s wow that's meaningful right there yeah well i'd like it to be a three thousand percent increase but you know it's starting and you know one thing that i think the the prior question teed up but i didn't really answer is racing internationally our 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 focus right now is as you said we're a north american series even on my watch we raced in in brazil and we spent time uh prior to the pandemic looking for other international opportunities. But I think for now we're focused on, let's just stay in North America. We, we have more work to do, more market share to capture, uh, more fans to make on these time zones in, in the U S we're in Canada. You know, it could make sense at some point to get to Mexico. I'm not saying, and I, I would say it's highly unlikely in the next year or two, but we, we really want to make all we can of the North American opportunity uh, before we think about going further abroad. That doesn't mean that it isn't conceivable that we do something kind of one-off, but uh, that's really not our focus. Stick with uh, schedule for one moment. Great to see you, obviously, Saturday at Robin Miller's Celebration of Life in Indianapolis. It's awesome of uh, Doug Bowles and the IMS uh, leadership to dedicate Miller's desk space uh, into perpetuity to him. Can I get you to commit on the record, Mark, that IndyCar will have us go back at least once to Cleveland, Milwaukee, or one of the other places where Miller's mailbag readers implored every single week for I don't know how many years 
I'm just saying we got to have the Robin Miller <laughs> 200 at Milwaukee. Will you shut the f up and stop asking about this so we could at least say we did that for him? I'm kidding, but I'm only <laughs> partially kidding. Um, anyways, let's uh, let's move on to a, another fun topic here. Chasen Akiri says. Thanks for everything you've done, Mark, to help restore IndyCar to the sport I fell in love with as a kid. Says, as someone who consumes a lot of their content through Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, IndyCar's official social media accounts, they maybe seem to lag behind some of the other racing series that uh, Chasen follows. Uh, Says, the content that is posted by IndyCar is great, uh, but it sometimes feels like the updates are too far and few between. Curious with the continued growth of the series, do you see IndyCar pushing harder, adding more resources, whatever you might say, to have a, a bigger social media presence that might rival, uh, I guess, some of the other series Chasen uh, follows as well? That's a great question, and I appreciate, um, is it Chase? Uh, Chasen. Chasen's interest, and obviously he's he's a real fan, consuming us, as some many do, in, in every, in every on every platform. So there's really been two things there. Um, one is that in our prior or first three-year agreement with NBC, they had exclusivity um, on on most of everything that was live. And so that, that wasn't exactly complete, and Jason will understand that. But, you know, how, long, how, how much short-form near-live or live content we could post on YouTube or wherever was was very limited. In our new agreement, it, it is we sort of clawed some of that back. So we have a greater opportunity contractually to do more around the races or during the races, which I think is exciting and mm. will be responsive. The other thing is it's just money. You know, um, posting more, doing more, having more of a presence just takes man hours. Um, it's, it's not really a special sauce as to how to do it. It's really how many people can you have doing it. And we have grown. We have invested in a couple more people. We probably still have a small fraction of the number of people, for example, in the same functions at NASCAR. But I, it's an area of emphasis that we'll continue to put more money into, especially in terms of – well, it's two parts, right? Part of it is just the people who, who – uh, produce and and post part of it is um the 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 video side of it creating short form video content we have more equipment more people doing that and we'll add more as we go 10-4 there's one other question that chase and included and i'm appreciative of because a lot of folks ask this in a variety of ways chasen closes by saying are there any updates regarding a possible indycar drive to survive type uh series that we see in netflix that is netflix that has so clearly and obviously helped raise formula one's profile in north america i mean worldwide but north america in particular it has been a game changer no jay mentioned i think last november december was being thought about looked into whatever anything there mark because I, I do think and i'm overstating something you've probably heard a million times <laughs> IndyCar could get into this and have a global streaming story to tell, like a drive to survive, boy, it sure feels like uh, there might be the same positive uh, effect on the series. Sure. 
Well, we think so, and we want to see that happen. And it's a it's a regular effort. This week, a major production company, a producer, uh, who had spent with his staff their own time and money to create a sizzle reel for a series, pitched. I'm not going to get into the details, but as recently as this this week, in the last 48 hours, you know, a big distribution group uh, was pitched by a great producer with a sizzle reel on his ideas um, and concepts for just such a series. So, you know, we'll hit sooner or later. It's not just, um, it it takes investment and work and we've got to get the right potential product in front of the right distributors, right platforms, and then it'll happen. And it won't, ultimately, I don't think it's just one drive to survive. I think it's maybe scripted, maybe unscripted, maybe, documentaries maybe there are other examples where it's it's not exactly the same but you know somebody who's iconic from let's just say europe i'm making that up comes over and gets behind the scenes in the way they cover the run-up to the 500 in the race so not live content but i mean not live racing but a story to be told i think there's lots of ways to kind of slice and dice the opportunities and and we will be successful obviously nothing has happened yet so i can't ask for a specific timeline but if you had your druthers would we be seeing cameras with whichever uh production company's name or streaming outlets uh logo visiting us next season and do we need to make sure that we uh watch our words and and speak like uh good boys and girls or actually no that's part of the charm i should say of drive to survive hey if you lived a clean uh, angelic life oh boy there's a there's a, a wider vocabulary um but again joking aside if do you feel like it's possible this may be be able to go into production as early as next year i do like I said, they some have already spent enough time to create what they call a sizzle reel, yeah. which is, you know, uh, wetting the appetite. Um, and so if they got a yes, um, I don't know why that wouldn't be possible. It might be that they shoot, you know, and produce this year. It doesn't actually get aired until subsequently. But, uh, you know, I'd be hopeful that's the case. I love it. Absolutely love it. Let's move on to, uh, let's see, our pal Nathan. His uh, Twitter handle is at IndyNathan, so I think we found another diehard in our presence, Mark. Uh, he says, are there any plans to expand content on, say, IndyCar's Sirius XM channel? He says, currently, it's mostly dead air. He said, would love to hear whether it's call-in shows, old race replays, great way to increase fan engagement. Seems like television... Live TV, streaming, retro content on YouTube, every social media platform, and non-terrestrial radio, Mark. We want all the updates about everything IndyCar is thinking. Uh, but, hey, it's a great question. Uh, is Call it radio, uh, another area on your uh, your growth and development plan for the series. Um, yes. We spent a fair amount of time with when Jim Meyer was still running Sirius Radio. Um, with him and his key team members to try to do more. And I'm not sure that it had all the uptake that they would have liked. Mm. So it's not that it hasn't occurred to us and it's not that it's, well, it didn't work out the way we wanted. So never mind. But, um, you know, we'll constantly be 
involved, especially with Sirius, to, to look at what else we can do. They they sent um, uh, talent to a couple races to try to, you know, produce shows from there. I understand the question is, you know, can we fill the air, which is a lot more than just uh, on a race day or a race afternoon. But, um, you know, we'll, we're going to have to make progress there. We've got – there's a lot of air to fill, and I hope we can uh, – uh, you know, use that medium to a much greater extent. I know a guy that has more than a thousand podcasts he's posted. I'm going to reach out to him and see if he has any ideas <laughs> on filling dead space. Yeah, there you go. Let's go. Uh, let's go to our pal. JJ Gertler says now that Penske entertainment, uh, has uh, resumed control of Indy lights, Mark, uh, anything you can share in terms of thoughts for enhancing the series? Is it new tracks? incentives for uh, IndyCar or any other teams to join bonuses. Who knows? I know all these things haven't been fleshed out. So I wish JJ, we could give you all the scoops, but at least for uh, the progress you've been able to make Mark, any, any general stuff you can share on uh, how Indy lights might be made better when it returns next year. Yeah. Well, we did it because we think there's real opportunity to improve lights. And I want to immediately say that is not in any way a criticism of the work that Dan Anderson has done. I think he, he's been terrific. His work on the whole ladder series has been terrific. And everybody that's, you know, paying attention to this podcast understands the importance and the productivity of the road to Indy for IndyCar. So that's all just fact and much appreciated. But we felt like, you know, we're now in a place um, where we could help make lights stronger by making it closer to IndyCar. So we're not ready to make a bunch of announcements. I, I would think in the next, in pretty short order, we will, including the calendar and, you know, what we'll have to say about the scholarship or ships and prize money and all the rest of the important details. But the answer is sort of think about the things you could come up with that would make a driver or a team owner um, more successful and better prepared to move from lights to IndyCar. So, you know, should the race control function be identical? So they've really come up in their last year in lights under the IndyCar race control system. Um, should the paddocks be unified? so that the lights guys don't feel like they're second class citizens and you know credentialed differently and or or they're you know or are they rubbing shoulders with uh indycar teams could we ask existing indycar drivers to help us attract lights drivers uh, and teams i mean what better salesman than Joseph Newgarden mm. or, you know, to, to be part of the presentation to explain why it's attractive to folks who are taking a look. Could we get more IndyCar teams to be involved? There, you know, there's a dozen areas of inquiry like that, that uh, will bear fruit, but I have no doubt we can do some things that Dan or no one else could just because of our, our uh, stewardship of IndyCar. Amen. Let's see, where else do we go? A couple more here. Let's talk about some uh, event-based bits. Ed Walk and also James Malloy. James asks, curious if you can share why Belle Isle 
has moved from being a doubleheader to a single. And then Ed is curious about the l- proposed layout for the Detroit race moving back to downtown, mentioning, as uh, I know I and some others have said, doesn't look like the most exciting layout we've ever seen uh, before. Uh, curious if you can share any insights there as to whether that proposed layout is meant to be the one and only or if uh, there might be some others under consideration. Well, on, on the latter question, if I understand it, um, I haven't looked at every turn and the infrastructure for the pits and all that in great detail, but I know Roger has and Bud Denker's a big part of the impetus for all that is um, our Michael Montry and, and really the whole team up there. And I don't know this, but I'd be surprised if they haven't given Tim Sendrick a chance to take a look at, you know, track layout um, to, to tap into his expertise. So what I do know just as a sports fan, and I think somebody who, who appreciates, you know, really successful uh, street races is that the location is fabulous. I mean, it, it will take over downtown Detroit in a way that, God love them, Belisle couldn't. And so I, I'm really bullish and optimistic that it will be a great move and um, hopefully it will be done in a way that provides for great racing. As to the first part of the question, you know, there's a, there's a few things to unpack there. One was, well, we got it to move one. So there was a weekend between Detroit and Indy and this, in, in the May for IndyCar teams is a long haul. You know, why go right back to following the 500? We did that because that's what worked best for Detroit. That's what they requested because they wanted to continue to run with IMSA uh, and IndyCar in the same weekend. And, and that was really the only way to accomplish that. Uh, another question we're often asked is, you know, now that we have uh, 14 of 17 races on network, broadcast network. Why is Detroit not one? They have been for a long time. In that week immediately following uh, the 500, there just simply wasn't a network window available. So uh, the, the chain of thought went from keeping IMSA and IndyCar together. That led to the week and that led to the broadcast outcome. But it's not forever and uh, you know something we'll look at from year to year. Um, as to the double header, we had what we thought was enormous opportunity in to, to add a double header in Iowa, and we could go on at length about how excited we are about that. But we wanted to stay at 17 races, and so, you know, Roger and 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 I guess I just say Roger and we looked at that and he said, well, let's let's do two in Iowa for now and uh, give one of them up in Detroit to accommodate the 17-event calendar. 10-4. All right, let me grab a few more here, Mark, then uh, we'll let you get back to your day. Uh, Our friend, the Retro Rebel, Young Olivia. I don't know if you've had a chance to be interviewed by her, but she uh, (laughs) I always give her as as much credit as I can because she's doing a better job reporting at like 14 years old um, than some of us do as as full-time professionals. She uh, is curious. She has a couple questions. I'll take the top one. says, with uh, the new IndyCar video game that's coming, 
How's that being approached, Mark? Uh, are drivers being involved in that, in that asking for their input, uh, get the car handling and modeling right? Uh, any special features about the game uh, y'all might be working on? I know she and many others are looking forward to IndyCar being back in the uh, simulation slash video game realm. Yeah, well, I can't wait to have an IndyCar title where it's pure IndyCar. Unfortunately, I got to wait. And, you know, the, the schedule is to have it built and out in 2023. The, the short answer to the question is not going to be all the specifics, but just that, you know, the, the people building it have enormous experience in building games. They know that authenticity is everything to gamers. They absolutely will be involving drivers for, for real insight and input and all kinds of data, um, you know, and, and they're doing everything cutting no corners to make sure that um, the it, it is the most realistic possible, really sim-like game. So um, we're excited about it, and we think we're, we've got a good partner and um, can't wait to see it come out. Let's go to Kevin Kemp uh, pulling the, the, the bandage off. What is still maybe a little bit of a sore spot here, I know, from uh, our friends at IMSA. Curious about how, call it rival motorsport sanctioning bodies uh, work together, knowing that an IndyCar, IMSA, NASCAR, you name it, could potentially be trying to visit the same racetrack at the same time or have big events that are clashing on the same weekend. Curious to know how an IndyCar might work or or speak with privately with uh, other series as the calendar gets assembled, noting the uh, the upcoming clash between the 12 hours of Sebring and our uh, visit to Texas Motor Speedway. Yeah, well, I think the, the answer starts with relationships and trust and an understanding that we're all in the same industry. And, uh, you know, somebody else's growth doesn't necessarily come out of our hide and vice versa. So I think there's a really cooperative uh, dynamic with NASCAR and IMSA and us, and for that matter, Liberty and Formula One. So it doesn't mean that everything will always be uh, ideal from everybody's perspective, but there's no issue with picking up the phone and, and it happens all the time and talking with the leadership of between the series. Um, the scheduling is one element of that, which I think you kind of referred to, you, you would have noticed that um, we didn't put out our schedule for 2022 until quite shortly after NASCAR put theirs out. We had understood already, you know, the key things that were going to impact us, but it was courteous for us to hold off and let them go first and made a lot of sense on, on a number of levels. So that's just meant to be an example. I think the relationships are great. Roger brings a lot to that. I mean, we'd made progress. Obviously, we had NASCAR. Uh, you know, we, we had the Brickyard weekend for a long time, and we had begun to do things to try to be more innovative there. And then Roger coming along just made it that much more doable to add IndyCar to the weekend and get everybody on the road course and, and innovate. To try to uh, continue to bring in more fans. So I, I, I like the way the 
the industry works together, and I don't see any threat to that going forward. Two items to go here. Uh, left front changer from Twitter. Uh, curious, coming back to the TV side about Canada, uh, notes that Bell slash TSN now have a long-term F1 agreement, uh, which I guess there's also an IMSA agreement as well. Uh, curious, any possibilities looking to the future of, say, aligning with a TSN uh, or similar? We know that uh, once IndyCar had to take over the negotiations of everything, uh, with uh, negotiations, international rights. I know Canada wouldn't call that international, but uh, this has been a little bit of a, a sore spot at times. I know it's improved, but what can you tell our Canadian brothers and sisters about IndyCar TV and access in the future in the Great White North? Well, we um, it, it's interesting, right? In some ways, you don't think of it as international. It's Canada, our neighbor to the north. But, you know, our domestic rights, meaning U.S. rights holder is NBC, and NBC's territory is in Canada, even if some of their signal spills into Canada. So it's, it's interesting and complicated. But, you know, our, our distribution is always going to balance reach and availability and how many people we can get to watch with the economics. And it's easy for fans to assume that, uh, you know, we can be on anywhere we want to be on. That's not necessarily the case. You have to measure the interests of the broadcasters in different countries and regions. So, you know, it's more of the same for next year. And uh, we will continue to to look at other major national broadcasters in Canada to try to develop their interest and to, you know, be in a position to make the best possible arrangements year after year. So we do have a question asking, it's a little bit of a joke, but not really a joke. Uh, when are we bringing back the LED panels to the cars? That's something Jay Fry and I joke about all the time because any little 200-word <laughs> story I'd write about LED panels would be the traffic leader for the month. For re Again, we need to do a forensic dive into why that happened. But uh, why don't we close on this? You and our, our late man Miller used to have, uh, whether it was lunch or dinner or, you know, Two of you uh, were always pretty close. Any story or stories come to mind about Miller um, that might be funny or interesting or insightful you might share to close? That seems like a, a proper way to uh, end the show. Well, I love Robin and consider him a real friend. Um, and that goes back, not, not that I was his best friend, but I, you know, I, I was an Indianapolis kid in person and, I remember reading him when he was not necessarily calling motorsports. And, you know, so we would sit at Working Man's Friend. Your Indianapolis readers will know that's it's really a tavern that makes maybe the best cheeseburgers in Indianapolis. Mm. Not It's on the west side, not far from here. And we would try to have lunch often. I'm not, it wasn't every week, but it, it, we never missed a month. And, uh, you know, some of the highlights of the time there, he was always trying to get, you know, to scoop Marshall Pruitt, but the, the, that wasn't the highlight. The highlight was getting him to talk about his days at the Indianapolis Star, his days covering Slick Leonard and Nettalicki at the wow. Nettos Bar and yeah. all those old ABA days that you got to be as old as I am to appreciate. But, uh, you know, you just knew that Robin is really good at his craft. No useful story interesting story ever escaped his gaze he usually had it 
if not first, second. And, uh, and he was just so passionate about everything. And then finally, he had a big heart. I mean, he cares so deeply about old racers, you know, the, the, the legends of the sport, not because he was some kind of a autograph seeker, you know, he just cared about their lives, especially the ones who, you know, who, who didn't have all the money in the world. So he was a decent human being in the best sense of that, who loved motorsports, who loved sports. And uh, those, those hours over cheeseburgers were priceless to me. Well, you have certainly been consuming fewer cheeseburgers. <laughs> Mr. Lost 68 pounds. And, you know, as I joked when I saw you in Portland and said, my God, where did half of you go? Um, I think you all said, you look like you've slimmed down a little bit. And I'm like, yes, that is true. And I appreciate that. But the starting number is so damn high. I don't see how anybody could tell. But anyways, uh, just great to see you not only uh, in good health, but also... Uh, really getting to see your influence uh, in the rest of the team, obviously at Penske Entertainment, just coming off of 2021 where it's been such a high, I have mild concerns about 2022, right? It's one of those things where you go, oh, it's the best ever. Oh boy, it's going to be hard to live up to, but that's why we keep holding these championships and hope that uh, more crazy drama and stories, a kid in his second year, didn't never seen an oval, until uh you know a year and a half ago or whatever wins the freaking title and here's this kid taking air mclaren sp from midfield to front runner and here's this here's just some old guy 46 years old if you add the age of alex Pillow and pato award together they add up to elio castro neves's age he wins the indy <laughs> 500 four timers again uh, you couldn't script this stuff. So uh, as we spoke about previously, I sure hope whomever it is that uh, we'll keep praying will be showing up with their cameras to capture all this and turn it into something uh, for folks to watch on a streaming platform. I can only hope that next year's series uh, season gives us the same kind of great content. So thanks uh, not only for taking the time, Mark, but for what you do. It's a pleasure in every respect. Thanks for having me on. 